0: I think we should be very careful about artificial intelligence. Um, If I were to guess at what our biggest existential threat is, it's probably that. Um, So we need to be very careful with artificial intelligence. I'm increasingly inclined to think that there should be some uh, regulatory oversight uh, at the the national and international level uh, just to make sure that uh, we don't do something very foolish. Um, I mean, with artificial intelligence, we are summoning the demon. You know, you know all those stories where there's the guy with the pentagram and the holy water, and he's like, "Yeah, you sure you can control the demon?" It didn't work out. Hell 9000 would be easy. It's way more complex than. I mean, it would put Hell 9000 to shame. Yeah, I was like puppy dog. <laughs> communications is certainly very important. Um, we're going to need. Um, terabit-level communication between Earth and Mars, which uh, necessarily means that you want to have a tight beam, like a laser communication system or something like that, um, and, and relays, you know, sort of um, satellites that relay because sometimes Mars is on the other side of the sun, so you, you, you've got to bounce the photons around the sun, you not know, through them. Um, and you know, so I think communication is definitely going to be important. I um, also see, th- think that on Earth, there's, there's a lot of potential for space-based communications. Um, I think that there's a huge amount of room to grow for having satellite communication systems that provide high bandwidth global coverage, um, and we'll need the same for Mars. I mean, I think it would be awesome if there was a space elevator, I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, I mean, I don't think it's realistic, um, but, you know, it would to be proven wrong. Um, so. Um, I always think of, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when I hear the space elevator, you know. Um, But because people sort of manage, like, an elevator, you press up, and (laughs) you're just like, now you're in space. Um, (laughs) This is, like, a real... This is extremely complicated. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not... I I don't think it's really realistic to have a space elevator. Um, You know, and... I mean, let me this way. like, at the point at which we have like a bridge from LA to Tokyo, um, uh, which I think is a much easier problem. <laughs> then, then we, or, you know, how about across the Atlantic, you know, like some sort of 2,000 mile long bridge, uh 3,000 mile long bridge, you know, something like that, um, would be, you know, made of like carbon nanotubes. Like, we haven't, I don't think we've got a carbon nanotube footbridge so far. Um, let alone some enormous 60,000-mile-long space elevator. Um, anyway, so I think I think we're—it's—it's—it wouldn't not its not the thing that I think makes sense right now. But hey, somebody can prove me wrong, and that'd be great. Well, uh, we've been able to uh, soft land boost uh, the, the rocket booster in the ocean twice so far. Um, unfortunately. You know, sort of sat there for several seconds, then tipped over and exploded. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it's like a, it's, a four, it's as tall as a 14-story building. So, you know, when a 14-story building falls over, it's quite a quite a belly flop. Um, and uh, so, what we need to do is to be able to uh, either land on a floating platform or, uh, ideally, boost back to the launch site and land back at the launch site. Um, but before we boost back. To the launch site and try to land there. We need to show that we can land with precision uh, over and over again. Just, you know, so otherwise, something bad could happen. Um, but if it doesn't boost back to where it's where we intended, um, so we, we, for the for the upcoming launch, I think we've got a chance of uh, landing on on a floating landing platform. We actually have a, a huge uh, uh, platform that's being constructed at a shipyard in Louisiana right now. Uh, which is um, what's well, huge, huge-ish. I mean, it's uh, about 300 feet long by 170 feet wide. Uh, that looks very tiny from space. Um, and and the, the, the leg span of the rocket is 60 feet. So, you know, you've got... And this is going to be um, positioning itself up in the ocean with, um, uh, you know, with, with, with engines that will keep it and it will try to keep it in a particular position, but it's tricky. You've got these big rollers and GPS errors, so you know it's 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 not anchored because it's like out in the bloody Atlantic. So, um, so that that's that's we're we're going to we're going to try to land on that on the next flight, and if if we land on that, then I think we'll be able to reflight that booster. Uh, but I'd, it's probably maybe not more than a 50% chance or less of. Of landing it on the platform for the first time but there's a lot of launches that will occur over the next year so there's at least a dozen launches that will occur over the next 12 months and i think uh, i think it's quite likely probably 80 90 percent likely that one of those flights will be able to land and refly so i think we're quite close the you, like the the long-term ambition of of SpaceX is to develop the technologies necessary to establish a self-sustaining city on Mars or civilization on Mars, and uh, wings and, and a runway don't really work if you're going somewhere other than Earth. Um, you know the Moon doesn't have an atmosphere, so wings and wheels w- wings and wheels are you know there's no run there's no runways and there's no atmosphere. <laughs> Not a good choice for the Moon. Um, and then on Mars, there are also no runways, um, and the atmosphere is very thin. Um, and so, unless you, you know, like, you know, try to land something at supersonic velocity, so unlike, it's just not a good choice for Mars either. Um, so, so you really have to get good at propulsive landing if you want to go someplace other than Earth, um, which, which is why you have rockets, because obviously aircraft work quite well on Earth. Um, so, and then, uh, but, but even for Earth recovery. Uh, you, you know, when, when you really look at it, um, uh, even if other planets had atmospheres, the, the, the actually the penalty for propulsive landing is quite low. Like you can just do you, you can just do easy calculation of what's the terminal velocity, um, and then how long do you have to fire the engine at what g level uh, to get to zero zero velocity, um, and and then, if you do some interesting things, like if you look at our, our landing gear, they're essentially like giant body flaps. Um, so the the drag uh, when we deploy the landing gear, the dra- drag massively increases. And so we have dual use of landing gear as okay. giant body flaps and as lan- as landing gear, um, and it actually cuts the terminal velocity in half, um, and and therefore the you know fuel, the fuel the propellant that we need to stop Obviously. the vehicle in half. Um, and actually, it's quite an efficient method of. Of, of landing uh, precisely you you can use less mass if you want to do parachutes to water landing um, but then reusability is negatively affected um, uh, the, the the next generation vehicles after the, the falcon architecture will be uh, designed for full reusability I, I don't expect the the falcon line to have a reusable upper stage uh just just because the uh you know, with, with, a, with a kerosene based system, the specific impulse isn't really high enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the missions we do for commercial satellite deployment are geostationary just, just missions. So the, we're really going very far out. These are high delta velocity missions. So to try to get something back from that is really difficult. Um, but uh, with the next generation of, of vehicles, uh, which is going um, to be a uh, a um, sub cooled methane oxygen system um, you know, where the propellants are cooled to close to their freezing temperature um, to increase the density, uh, we could definitely do a uh, full reusability. Um, and, and that system is intended to be a fully reusable Mars transportation system. So not merely to low Earth orbit, but all the way to Mars and back. What we Full reusability. About three years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm an optimistic person, but <laughs> <Always> I, I, <laughs> um, I, I, mean, I I think we could start to see some test flights in the five or six year time frame, mm-hmm. um, but we we're talking about a much bigger vehicle. Much bigger vehicle together. Uh, yeah. Bigger. And the, um, we're also going to be upgrading to uh, sort of a new generation, a, a harder engine cycle, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a full flow staged combustion. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have right now is an open cycle uh, engine, so um, I mean I, right now I'd say like engines are, are our weakest point at SpaceX, uh, but they will be, become as strong as the, as the structures and avionics in the next generation. Okay. Like right now, our weakest point is engines with respect to specific impulse, but not with respect to thruster weight. We actually have the highest thruster weight of any engine, uh, I think maybe ever. But but our uh, specific impulse, months. the efficiency of the engine, is uh, about 10% worse than uh, the, than a staged combustion engine uh, of the, using the same propellant.